Take your Bibles open to the book of Acts, chapter 7. Acts, chapter 7. <clears throat> this is our 35th lesson in the book of Acts. 35th lesson in the book of Acts. Rick, at this pace, this could be a two-year sermon study. 35th, 35th lesson. <clears throat> 35th lesson. Remember, this is a slow walk we're taking through the book of Acts. Taking in all the sights, so taking in all the sights. As we go along the way, we're also trying to, thank you, Daner. We're trying to see what God is teaching us. We need to make application as we go through the scriptures. It's one thing to know what the Bible says and thus and such and this verse. And it's good to memorize verses. I love our children coming up here and telling us memory verses. That's great. We should be helping them to hide God's word in their heart. But then we need to know what God is saying to us. I need to remind you, as you come in here today, God knew ahead of time you were going to be here. He knows what's going on in your heart. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows your problems. He knows the big problems. He knows the small problems. And God wants to meet with you. Somehow, I think sometimes we come into church and we do it out of such habit that we forget that we're actually meeting with Almighty God. And he wants to meet with us, folks. He wants to meet with us. In this book of Acts, we've watched as Jesus had stayed on the earth for several days so that he might provide many infallible proofs that he had risen from the dead. Why? Because they were already starting to spread the lie that the disciples were going to steal his body. And uh, they were going to say that he was uh, risen, but they said he was, was stolen. But he stayed on earth here to show that he had risen from the dead. Showed himself to many people. We watched as the 120 gathered in the upper room. They were all in one accord. One accord. Why? Because the Holy Spirit had filled them. And child of God, when the Holy Spirit fills you, you'll be in one accord with your neighbor that has the Holy Spirit filling their life 100%. Amen. So, and then we saw Peter preach that magnificent sermon, and 3,000 were added to the church that day, they said. And then as you continue to read through there, and Peter keeps on preaching, boy, and you know what's amazing? It's just, it's just a few weeks prior to that that you had Peter denying Christ. But you can see what happens when an individual is filled with God's Holy Spirit, the power that came upon his life. And he preached. And then the Bible talks about not only with the church being added to, but now it's multiplying greatly. It's just exploding. Why? Because God's people were all in one accord, heading the same direction, and the Holy Spirit was the common denominator. That's what caused it all to happen. We watched as Ananias and Sophia came in and lied to the Holy Spirit, and they said they had sold their property for so much, and, and uh, Peter said, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie? And that was the first case of church discipline. God was keeping his church pure. It's important. And I'm saying this, and I guess I'm staying on it a little bit, didn't intend to, but God is serious about having a pure church. He really is. So if in your heart there's something going on that would cause disunity, Get it right. If there's something we need to talk about, let's talk about it. I'm open. 
Why? Because I want him to have his way. I want him to have his way. We saw that Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin said, you can't preach in that name. And what did those disciples do? They were disobedient. Like we've seen many preachers disobedient uh, in America, uh, to, to disobedient to the, the uh, mandate that's been given other countries. It's placed them in prison, in jail, because they've been disobedient. Why? Because rather to obey God than man. Rather to be a God than man. And these disciples, they just, these apostles just kept on preaching Jesus, preaching Jesus. And then it came down and says, you know what, the work is too great. We got too many people. Uh, the widows need to be cared for. Said, pick you out seven men of honest report. And they picked out seven deacons. And the first one listed was Stephen. And now Stephen has been dealing with the Sanhedrin for the last several messages as we've talked about him. And he reminded them of Moses. Remember how Moses, God had provided Moses as a savior to take him out of the land of Egypt. And he provided Joseph. He provided Joseph that he might be a savior to them, that he would save his people from starvation and extinction. God has always been providing for his people. You're here this morning, God has provided for you, and he's got something for you. Last week we spoke about how that they had treated their scriptures loosely, how they had treated their sanctuary. But now it brings us back up to Acts chapter 7 and verse 54. Read with me. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. Now folks, I need to remind you, this is not Grimm's fairy tale. This actually happened. This is a true story. A real story. I remember years ago, we had someone that came to church with us. And they're talking about Jonah and the whale, right? And they told the story. The preacher told the story. And the friend that came with us was a teenager. And he laughed out loud because he didn't know. This is a true story. And I want you to, as you're thinking about it, and recognize that this is a true story. I want you to put yourself in this place. I want you to position yourself as if you're right there watching this unfold, this happening. And Stephen had just finished his defense. Stephen had just laid into them with the truth. Did a great job. And in verse 54, Sanhedrin, when the Sanhedrin, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on his teeth. When you look at that cut to the heart, it's like they were just sawn in two. Sawn in two. Then this has, goes back to Stephen. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God in Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And said, Behold, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice, and stopped their ears, and ran upon him with one accord, and cast him out of the city, and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was Saul. And they stoned him, and they stoned Stephen, calling upon God, and saying, and, and they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord, 
receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Allow God to speak to you this morning. Let's pray. Father, I'd ask that you'd have your will in the way. Father, we know that you are in control. And you would have control of our heart if we'd let you. Father, I confess that when you have control of my heart, I am most at peace. I am most happy. And God, I pray that as we go through your scripture today and talk about Stephen, that you would just do a mighty work in each and every heart today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Stephen was a triumphant warrior, the triumphal warrior. And when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. They'd listened, to, they'd listened, they had listened. The Sanhedrin had listened as Stephen, very well educated in their history, went through everything that had happened. And it laid it out there for them. They might have even had some agreement as, you know, when they're talking about, well, yeah, that did happen. Yeah, well, you know the story of Moses. We know the story of Joseph. But then their outrage increased until that last, that last little bit there, and they just exploded in a blind fury. Have you ever seen somebody so angry they just had no, absolutely no control of themselves? They just, they just lose control. And they go absolutely berserk. That's these people. And it's interesting when you look at verse 57, and it says they ran upon him with one accord. They were all that way. It wasn't just one of them that was real upset. They were all that way. I played a lot of baseball, a lot of softball, and occasionally <clears throat> there'd be a fight. There would be a fight. And I've seen a few guys get pretty angry. And it was to the point where we actually had to pull, took several of us to pull the one off of the other. Oh, you get ugly. But now, now imagine the Sanhedrin. They're all this way. You know what's interesting? It's when you stop and realize these were the religious leaders. These were the religious leaders of Israel. These were the ones that are supposed to have it together. You know? Being like God. But they weren't. I can imagine. Can you see them running at Stephen with their fists clenched? Ready to just take him out? They were cut to the heart. Cut to the heart. They were infuriated. Infuriated. They were, they were like a pack of wild animals. I, every once in a while they'll bring on these <clears throat> shows on TV and they'll, have, they'll show the wildlife. I don't like to see another animal take down another animal. I'm just that way. I don't, I don't like to see that. But when you get wild animals after another wild animals, I understand. They do it to, to sustain themselves. They do it to, to live. But these men were like wild animals. Psalm 112.10 says, The wicked shall see it and be grieved. He shall gnash with his teeth and melt away. The gnashing of teeth is often used to express the horror and torments of the damned. Turn with me to Luke chapter 13. <clears throat> Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. I have a great passage here. In verse 28 it says, There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth 
when you shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and you yourselves thrust out. That's what hell's going to be like. Weeping and gnashing of teeth, place of outer darkness. Can you imagine? Something comes by you and you just bite on it with your teeth while you're tormented in the flame. Verse 55 says, But he being full of the Holy Ghost, Stephen, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God in Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Can you get this? You get this? The Holy Spirit now directed Stephen's gaze away from the angry mob into heaven. Took his gaze off of what was going on into heaven. I don't know what your problem is this morning. I don't know what your burden is. I don't know what's going on in your life. But you get your eyes on Jesus. Those problems will suddenly not seem so great. And the Holy Spirit directed his gaze into heaven. And Stephen's sight was filled with God. And heaven was open to his view. In that instance, he saw Jesus. Saw him standing Saw him standing at God's right hand. Saw him standing in full approval. It was Stephen. And to Stephen it was well done. Well done. You know, I'm fully aware that God sees our every move. And that he's aware of everything that goes on in our heart. He's aware of every action. How we stand for him. How we do not stand for him. But in this instance... It's interesting to note that the Bible said that Jesus was standing. And in my mind, it's like this. He had the full attention of his Lord and Savior. The full attention of his Lord and Savior. Verse 56. And said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Many in the court that day have been present few years before when Jesus stood before the same high priest and proclaimed that he was deity Mark chapter 14 verse 62 says and ye shall see the son of man sitting on the right hand of power I see him cried Stephen I see him he's at the right hand of God I see him standing there I see him the son of man standing there Son of Man was a messianic title. Stephen proclaimed what the Sanhedrin considered to be the ultimate blasphemy. Not only was, the up, was he upholding the claim of the Lord Jesus to be co-equal with God, but he was putting him on the throne of the universe. Wow. All this is while they are running upon him. And attacking him. How can he do that? He's full of the Holy Ghost. He's full of the Holy Ghost. Verse 57. Then they cried out with a loud voice. And stopped their ears. And ran upon him with one accord. Isn't it? These are grown men. They stopped their ears. Like a child. They stopped their ears. I can't hear it anymore. I can't hear it anymore. You're cutting me to the quick. You're cutting me in two. 
and they'd heard enough. Mild's cry of rage had now drowned out Stephen's voice, and they put their fingers in their ears. They had heard enough of this blasphemy. You know, it occurred to me, I, I don't remember the martyr's name, but I remember reading a story, an account, where a man was being burned at the stake. Rasmus. And he said, they were taunting him, and he looked at him and said, Gee, Pappas, he said, you, you look for a miracle. And he said, I want to let you know, behold, before you stands a miracle. He said, because here I stand, and I am not tormented in these flames. Was that a miracle? Absolutely. That was God's doing. That was God's doing. And in my mind, as I, I, I thought about that, and as I was reading this, I thought, Stephen may not have even felt the stones, may not have even felt the gnashing of teeth. Maybe he did. I don't know. But he was so in tune with God that he was able, as he was going through this ordeal, to continue to speak truth and speak truth in love. Made me think, my goodness, how often somebody says just a little bit of a crossword to us. Oh, oh, you can't say that to me. You can't say that to me. You can't talk to me that way. And yet these guys were killing him. He knew they were going to kill him. And yet he continued to speak in love. In verse 58 it says, And cast him out of the city and stoned him, and the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was Saul. Mosaic law required that the first stone to be thrown was to be thrown by the one who first threw out the accusation. And so that was the way it was supposed to be done. That was told us in Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 17. And then Jewish custom had established a formality that before the stoning, they were to give somebody an opportunity to repent. And they were to, to give them an opportunity to say, I confess and make peace with God. None of that was followed here. Why? They were animals. They were wild animals. Can I tell you something? That without God, we're wild animals. The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? They were in such a lather. Such a lather. But I mean, they were so mad, they were ready to throw the stones. And, you know, when you play any kind of sport event or whatever, you kind of warm up, you get loose and what have you. You get rid of any tight-fitting clothing. Why? You need to be able to really throw something. They took their coats off. Why? Not because they were afraid they were going to get blood on their coats. They wanted to throw the rocks harder. They wanted to throw it harder. Holy Spirit paused here for a moment and mentioned there was a man. There was a man there. And that man was Saul. We later learned that the Saul, this was Saul from Tarsus in Cilicia. See, this young man Saul clearly thought Saul a threat. 
that Christianity posed for Judaism because the two systems were mutually exclusive. In other words, one could not exist and the other exists. And Paul saw that. Wonder what the impact that Stephen made upon the heart of Saul as he watched this. It was not too much longer or too much later that Saul meets Christ on the road to Damascus. Verse 59. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He just kept going. His final words proclaimed the deity of the Lord Jesus. He was not bending to these folks at all. In his last dying breath, he still proclaimed Christ as Lord. And yet we will not walk across the street and tell our neighbor about Christ. We will not stop that young man at the store that maybe is looking for food and just share with him the need for Christ. Jesus, when he died, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And Stephen, when he died, he said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. In verse 60 he says, And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Again, again, he was fully focused on God. He was fully focused on God. And look what it brought about in his life. Oh, he was dying. But he continued to be true to God. And he continued to, in love, speak on behalf of those that even were killing him. Stephen's last words were not only a mark of Christian grace, it echoed the words of the Lord while on the cross. I don't know, maybe Stephen was thinking back to Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, where he said, Pray for them which despitefully use you. My goodness. Could we do that? Do we have enough Christ love in us? We should. That we could speak this way to someone that was even harming us. Stephen fell asleep. He passed from this life to eternity with God. And as he did, rocks were hitting him. Rocks were hitting all around him. They were thrown in violence, folks, but he passed in peace. Thrown in violence, but he passed in peace. And you picture Stephen, his face as if it were an angel, kneeling on his knees, looking at God, standing on the right hand of the Father. And the final stone made its mark, and he drew his last breath. They'd accomplished their goal. He was dead. Only Stephen was very much alive in heaven. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So can we draw some conclusions? Stephen was a warrior for Christ. He was a warrior for Christ. When given the opportunity to stand and proclaim the truth, he did so. Even though it meant taking his very life. Oh, he could have denied 
and they would have let him off. They would have won that way. But he said, no, I'm going to be true to my God. Are you true to God this morning? Are you a warrior for Christ where you live? Are you a warrior for Christ at your job? Or are you ashamed to proclaim him? We've been given the instructions. We've been told about the armament to wear. God's done his part. Are you willing to speak the words of truth to even those that do not care about you? You know, the Bible says we're to love our enemies. You know, we read through these things and we go, oh, it says that. But drink it in. Drink it in. And if you really love your enemy, you know what you're going to do? I want to tell you about Jesus. I want to tell you about Jesus. What will it take to, for you to stop being a witness? Maybe somebody throws a verbal insult at you. They throw, they threw real rocks at Stephen. And he kept right on going, Ricky. Kept right on going. You say, well, look what it cost Stephen. Yes, but look at what it caused the Savior to do. Standing there in full attention. Do you have, do you have the Savior's full attention this morning? I, now, please understand what I'm saying. Because God has our full attention. And, and he's fully aware of us. But the point I'm making, Scripture made it plain that he stood there and was watching. This morning, God is standing here and he's watching you. Tomorrow, he's watching you as you get up and go to work or whatever it is you're going to be doing. He's watching you. He wants to know what you're doing. He wants you to understand there's something he wants you to do. Some may have come in here this morning and do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. The Bible, is, God says, he's not willing that any should perish. He said, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. In John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The next verse goes on and talks about how that Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world. See, a lot of people say, why would a loving God send somebody to hell? He made, he made preparation to take care of that, folks. He said, the world was condemned already. I'm come here as a savior. If that's your case this morning, why not come to him today? Every head bowed, every eye closed, every head bowed and every eye closed. We're going to take just a few moments and have some time of reflection. And by that mean, I mean this, that God is speaking to each and every heart. Now, you can tune him out. You can think, well, I'm going to go get uh, dinner here, and I'm going to have this, and, or I'm uh, thinking about what I've got to do this afternoon, or maybe even tomorrow or this week. You can tune God out. But God, if you will allow him to, will speak to your heart. Now, the question is this. What is he saying? What is he saying to you? Once you get that figured out, after the prayer, please use the altar. Father, I ask that you would have your will and way in my heart, in our hearts, collectively, that we might be obedient servants to you. I pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand with me.